Here's Your Red Flag is intended for mature audiences only. Many, if not most, of our episodes will include topics such as psychological, emotional, and physical abuse, and detailed narcissistic and toxic behaviors. We are not professional therapists. If you are in need of professional help, please contact the appropriate authorities. Some names have been changed for anonymity purposes. The opinions expressed by the guests on the show are their own and do not necessarily represent the views of Lisa or myself. You can find additional information about this podcast in the show notes, as well as on our website, heresyourredflag.com. And we are also on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. I flew up to the mirror Well, there was nothing that I seen You lie, I cried The butterfly woke in my eyes You lie, I cried The butterfly woke in my eyes Welcome back to Here's Your Red Flag. We're so happy to be with you, all of our wonderful listeners, again. We're starting a two-part discussion today on Red Flags. Finally. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, Tony and I started compiling this list years ago, and we are so excited to share this information with you all. Taken singly, some of the following are not a cause for concern necessarily. This list will help you identify if it walks and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. So Mm -hmm. again, if as you're listening to us this episode and next. And there are a couple of things here and there that happen a couple of times here and there, but not anything consistent. It may not be a red flag because not everyone is perfect. But if you notice a pattern in behavior or you can identify with most of what we describe here, it's probably an unhealthy relationship for you. Very well said. Yes, we are so glad to be back with all of y'all. And we are so excited to share this list that, as Lisa said, we have been compiling for years. And yeah, let's just dive right into it. Yes, let's get started. All right. First of all, here's a very huge red flag. If you are researching his or her toxic behavior, here's your red flag. Another red flag we like to point out is that if you are in a relationship with someone that feels unbalanced, you are probably in a toxic relationship. Meaning if you feel like the person views or treats you disrespectfully and like you were below them or not on their same level, you are most likely in the presence of a toxic and or narcissistic person. So as we've mentioned, we have compiled many, many red flags and decided to categorize them as to how they relate to you individually in the early stage of the relationship the red flags present as the relationship progresses, and then how they operate in general in the world around with other people outside of the romantic relationship. With our list today, we are approaching mainly from intimate partner relationship perspective, but we know that our intelligent audience is able to bridge these red flags to narcissists and toxic people in other types of relationships like work, family, or other non-romantic relationships or encounters. Today, We will be using the pronoun he just for ease in the discussion, but of course the toxic person can be any gender. So, okay, everybody get your notepads out unless you're driving and let's take a deep dive into our red flag list. Take it away, Lisa. Here we go. Here are some red flags that you might see early in the relationship. 
At the beginning, he showers you with affection, attention, says you're perfect. No one has ever understood him like you do. You can do no wrong. You may feel in your gut that this is a bit more than usual. It's a bit over the top and he's putting you on sort of a pedestal and it feels good at first, but it's not really normal. (laughs) This is a huge red flag. He seems to bond to you very quickly and too quickly. And again, that word seems is important. It's just a mirage. He's not really bonding to you. He's bonding you to him, okay, through his manipulation. Very early on, he says that you and he are soulmates. He says he can't talk like this with anyone else or be with anyone else like this. You may feel that you are especially chosen by him. He might share extremely personal information and state or imply that you're the only one that he could trust with this. Very early, he pushes for a sexual relationship. He wants to know details about your intimate experiences, your sexual experiences, your partners, etc. The relationship might get too deep too quickly by asking for secret or uncomfortable information about you too early in the relationship. You feel in your gut that this is too sensitive and definitely too early to share. You might begin to see chinks in his armor, but you look the other way. You make excuses. You get some uh uh-oh hints that this person is kind of mean or says negative things that others would not normally say to you. Maybe he makes little jabs and then says he was just kidding. That's a little red flag. You find yourself excusing or dismissing these subtle cues because your attraction is so strong. You might find yourself compromising your values, principles to excuse some of his questionable behaviors that you wouldn't excuse with anyone else. He might even disparage most, if not all, his past partners that they were crazy, abusive, or even neglectful. So as the relationship progresses, Tony, what are some red flags that can begin to show up? Yes. Okay. Diving even deeper, the next list we're calling strange and selfish things he says and does relating to you specifically as the relationship progresses. He's obsessed with the possibility that you will cheat on him and you cannot do or say anything to make him believe you. And you've given no reason for him to think you would stray. You mother him beyond what a grown woman should do for a grown man. Another red flag in this is it's just like the mask fell off. All of a sudden, a switch was flipped. Everything was great. You were in the love bombing stage, probably. And he's suddenly a completely different person than who you fell for. It's like the relationship went from a dream to a nightmare. You feel that switch, that change where they are no longer into you and are hollow in response, only throwing you crumbs. And you're finding yourself saying, wait, what happened? He begins to not act like a partner to you anymore. It is definitely not an equal relationship anymore, like it felt at the beginning. He treats you like an object he can take or leave. He is bossy towards you. He's mean and controlling towards you. He treats you like a child or like you're stupid and need constant correcting. He uses excessive, almost inappropriate charm to get his way on some things with you that you are reluctant about, like sex or talking about sensitive topics that sort of thing. He begins to say devaluing statements. He devalues you through his actions. He gives you the silent treatment for reasons known or unknown. 
he gets angry, sad, mad, sullen, pouty, or punishing when you are not going to spend time with him because you are working or seeing friends and or family or have plans that do not include him. He undermines your usual self-confidence. Other people don't act like this towards you where you don't feel sure-footed when you're with them. You are constantly weighing your words before you speak when you're around him because you do not want him to disapprove of or criticize anything you might say. He consistently puts you down, but he's quote unquote, just joking, gaslights you and says you're being too sensitive, says often you are too sensitive to this or to that when you know you're not. Again, a lot of these things, anybody else in your life doesn't act like this with you. And you have created in your mind, this is your soulmate. And these are, I just have to say at this point, it's so confusing to all of a sudden just be treated so horribly. He consistently points out flaws in you that he notices. He makes suggestions for you to correct particular aspects of yourself, the way you speak, the way you dress, the way you act. He preaches at you. He knows all and he knows what is best. He's persistent about persuading you to do something, strongly pressures you. For example, you should change your career. You should change your hair. You should stop hanging out with friends or family or how you should be parenting your children. I was going to say there that, you know, in a healthy relationship, there's there's a give and take of ideas and strategies for navigating this world. So we're not talking about that type a relationship. Mm -hmm. It's all of the shooting mm -hmm. that these toxic people do. And it's coming from a place of their own arrogance that they know best. So there's no give and take of, hey, our son broke curfew last night. What should we do? There's no conversation. It's mm -hmm. constant directives. Right. And as an attempt to manipulate you all the more, get you under their thumb. Oh, for sure. It is manipulation. It's another way that they use to make us dependent on them. And so mm. we slowly start to doubt our mm. own decisions. Yes. So then we start to defer to them for every single decision. Mm. Mm -hmm. It's brainwashing. It is brainwashing. There's a theme here, the cult theme here, especially the segment that we're on right now. This is what cult leaders do mm -hmm. to their followers. Mm-hmm. So back to our list, he doesn't laugh at or appreciate your humor. He purposely misses the humorous comical points and things you say and ridicules your attempts at humor. When you are upset, he doesn't seem affected or moved by your emotion. When you're upset, he makes fun of you. When you are upset, he gets angry at you. When you are upset, he says you are too sensitive. He acts secretively. He ridicules and gaslights you. When you pointed out about his insensitive comments towards you, he shames you frequently. He stops looking at you lovingly and scowls at you. He gives you dirty looks where he used to seem so interested in you. He now seems so disgusted by you, yet he still seems to want to be the largest presence in your life. It feels very confusing and maddening and upsetting. If you attempt to ask him about this behavior, he gaslights you and makes you feel crazy and like you're imagining it. He may make statements like, I do love you. However, you're hard to love when you make everything so much more difficult by nagging me, etc. He does not apologize. He seems to find a way to make every issue your fault. After a disagreement or fight, he made the cause of it your fault, almost masterfully. He starts to complain about and criticize the important people in your life. They are not this or that. You shouldn't be friends or associate with them. 
He brings up their faults, including your family, who love you and whom you love. He doesn't stay attuned when you are talking. You start to feel like you're not worthy of his attention. He acts completely indifferent when you're speaking. He seems to tune out when you are speaking. He acts uninterested. He interrupts excessively when you are talking. You can never seem to get your point across because of this. His interruptions and criticisms of things you say make you feel like you're talking in circles and make you feel defensive. Other people just don't relate in this way with you. He has bigger and better things to say about himself than what you have said about yourself. Your conversations together feel like a competition, like he has to one-up everything that you say. He contradicts things that you say. He buys you gifts or presents, yet he does not give lovingly, almost like an afterthought, like I can't let you feel too special. He seems to consistently sabotage and ruin your dates or special outings together by acting sullen or angry or moody. I wonder where I got this one from. Hmm. (laughs) He seems to always find something to get upset over and will not let it go. No matter what you say or do, or no matter how much you plead with him, if you cry in response, he calls you selfish and sensitive and gaslights you during time that you could be spending together. He chooses to spend it with some other activity like video games or being on his phone or listening to music very loudly instead of enjoying time together. All right, Lisa. Those are some definite red flags, and I have a few more. Go for it. (laughs) He has unpredictable negative mood swings. He may throw fits or temper tantrums. And whatever his trademark or talent is, like good looks, or he's very intelligent, or he's a talented musician or athlete, whatever it is, he'll downplay that and say, I'm not very good, or I'm just not that good. That is a manipulation so that you will then begin to fawn over him and say, oh, yes, yes, you are. You're the best. And so, you know, as empathic people, we want to build each other up so that we feel good about ourselves. And that's our natural inclination. And so that's what we spend our time doing is building him up. That keeps us within his control, actually. Maybe he says he'll change a behavior, but he doesn't. He continues the behavior. Maybe he will even say that he'll go to counseling, but never does. And counseling isn't a bad thing. Counseling is for healthy people just to process life with, with a neutral party who can see some things that we can't see in ourselves. So I think a lot of men in particular, um, or narcissists, poo-poo counseling But I think it's because they want to maintain control. They don't want anyone else to know what's going on. He might even play the victim or make you feel like you're a horrible person. You might start to feel that he has a grip on you and you don't know how you'll be able to leave him, even though you're miserable. You constantly wonder what he would think about and anything you would do. So you're seeking that validation from him. And any decision that you make, whether it's which food item to buy at the grocery store or which tires to put on your car or which paint color to use, while it's normal to want to get the opinions of people we love, it's not healthy if every decision we make is filtered through the narcissist's perspective or what we think would be his perspective. That's very isolating, too. You might feel like you're walking on eggshells and you can't predict what his mood will be. You feel like you must plot and plan your actions before being around him. You can't act naturally 
around him like the way you act around everyone else. You feel like you have to be a complete strategist around him and you never know what will anger or set off or hurt his feelings. He's such a game player and you don't know the rules. It doesn't feel like an easy, natural relationship that you think it should be. If you mention this to him, watch out. He will take it completely personally and gaslight you and negate your thoughts and feelings on this. He might say something like, you don't even know what you're talking about. And in my case with number two, when I would start mentioning things or questioning, he would say, you think you're so smart, don't you? And that was just another way to control and teach me not to not to poke the bear, right? Not to challenge him in anything. You know, I don't know if we've really talked about it very much. Pause on on our list for a minute. It was number two's idea for you to go get a doctorate degree and you started it and we're in it for a year. A year and a half, I think I have, I don't have Gosh. that much left. Yeah. Six wow. or nine hours. He punished you forever after for getting a doctorate degree. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, <laughs> yeah, so crazy, crazy making so mm-hmm. crazy. And then he also used that as an opportunity to isolate you from him so that he could then spend time with his daughter, which is normally good to spend time with your children, but he definitely had, had his arm out. You were excluded from being with Mm -hmm. my daughter and I, Mm -hmm. this is, this is our weekend. Mm -hmm. And he only came home for the weekends. I don't Mm -hmm. know. I'm going off on a tangent, but he only came home on the weekends and the whole time you have to work on your schoolwork because you were, you're a full-time employed teacher. So you have to work on the weekends when he's home. Such a crazy Mm-hmm. situation you were in. Mm-hmm. And he would, he would use that and say, you know, begin to say that he was lonely. Mm. So then I would try to cram all my doctorate work Monday through Friday. So it would be finished by the time he came home for the weekend. But then I, it was just exhausting. It was just mm. something I could not sustain. So, you know, then it was my fault that he was lonely. Mm-hmm. Yet he suggested this and actually, you know, of course, he didn't make me apply for the program. I did it, but I Mm -hmm. did it really to please him. Yeah. Very controlling person. Mm -hmm. Mm. All right. So back to it. Yeah. Um, Maybe he plays devil's advocate with what you say. He acts contrary to statements that you make. He discounts or devalues what you say. He advises you about most things in your life, even at the beginning when he barely knows you. He cannot be wrong and must win every argument. You doubt yourself constantly when you're with him. He doesn't play by the same rules everybody else must play by. He changes the rules mid-course. It becomes a guessing game for you as to what the rules are with him. He is the one who sets the rules all of the time, and he continually moves these goalposts. If you call him out on one of his previously stated rules, he gets angry with you and exhibits some sort of manipulative behavior like silence or verbal put-downs. After a time you've been dating, he's sexual with others, still on dating apps. He may seem obstinate about being or remaining committed to you and being monogamous. He makes plans with you and then ghosts you when it's time to get together for the plans. Later, he gaslights you into believing you didn't have plans to begin with. You were mistaken. He seems to only want to see you to have sex. He goes out with other people 
and excludes you from that, but then expects to come home and have sex and spend the night. He pressures you to perform certain sexual acts you were completely uncomfortable with. He punishes you verbally or uses a silent treatment or other tactic until you comply. He doesn't want to bring you into his social circles. He says you are the cause of all the conflict. He says you're rude, disrespectful, you're not sensitive to his needs, you only care about yourself, you can't see outside of yourself, you're selfish, and all of this, of course, is projection. Any concerns or issues you have with him, he says you're imagining them, you're too sensitive, you're too demanding, you're moving too fast. That's, again, projection. You start to question your beliefs and your values and your traditions. You have a nagging gut feeling that he is wrong, but you're afraid to anger or hurt him by contradicting him or even just standing up for yourself. He does not respect your boundaries, your need for sleep, your need for space or time to study or need to talk on the phone with other people or just your time to think. And he pouts. So you sideline your needs to do what he needs at that time. His needs are always front and center to anyone else, including you and your children, your family, and even your job. Well, okay. Continuing, you begin to feel that you are second to all of his interests. Like, for instance, when I was dating my narcissist in the, I hate to call him that, the narcissist that I was dating in my 20s, everything else I came in last place. And I thought, this is what it feels like to be a mistress and to be on the side burner. And I was his girlfriend. So anyway, he promises to change for the 7,000th time and doesn't ever. It's almost like he has amnesia after he says that. Maybe you have a little period of time where, okay, we're, we're back to the honeymoon stage. We're back to that middle person that Lisa calls it. Everything's going to be good now because he promised and I'm going to trust him. I'm a trusting person, mm-hmm. but no. <laughs> Like I said, 7,000, 7,000 times. Mm -hmm. He says that you want more than he is capable of giving. He's not ready. You feel he sent mixed signals about your relationship status. He is serious about you when it suits him. Mm. He is dismissive about your pets. He's maybe even cruel or rough with them. Mm -hmm. I think we had that included several times throughout. Mm -hmm. I think that is a really huge red flag, how they treat animals Mm -hmm. how they treat little children, how they treat the elderly, Mm -hmm. people and creatures that are vulnerable. Mm -hmm. That's such a huge red flag to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. It really is. So now Lisa is going to talk about ways you begin to compromise and devalue yourself and lose yourself with him. Yeah. The biggest one is that isolation piece that we've talked about before. This is just as a little recap where the abuser slowly severs all of your emotional ties and even physical ties to people in your life, except for him. And it's one of the earliest signs of emotional abuse and emotional abuse can sometimes turn physical. Unfortunately, it is extremely effective. It's very, very subtle And it's very, very hard to detect. And once you do start to detect it, you're so far into the relationships that it just seems impossible. And you even, he can be so clever as to make you believe he's all you need. Mm -hmm. It's that slow boil of the frog. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
the first time you see a crack in the mask, you might think, wait, this isn't who I started dating. Or you start to notice subtle things and how they're changing. You stay in the relationship because you have faith that you've been, maybe you've been talking them up to your friends and family and saying what a great person this is that you finally met. And you have hope for the relationship. And Maybe you've posted about him on social media and it would be embarrassing to take those pictures down or or whatever. And then you have your pride, you know, and let's not forget the love. You have love and it hurts to break up with someone that that hurts. And so sometimes staying becomes easier than knowing that you'll face that heartbreak. Staying seems like it'll be easier. Mm -hmm. The longer you stay, this is huge. The longer you stay in a relationship, the longer it takes to heal from it on the other side. Mm -hmm. And I I think, I don't know if we've really mentioned that a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm sure there's an equation that some super smart psychologist (laughs) has put out there, but yeah, yeah. These red flags we hope can help people that are maybe in the early stages. And if you're already deeply in it, we just, we just want to say both of us have survived long-term relationships with narcissists and have come out on the other side. Mm-hmm. And Lisa is healing. And I would say I'm healed from my twenties of, you know, that nonsense that I dealt with, with that dude. Mm-hmm. Again, I wish I'd had this education back then. And we just really hope that people will take something from this and mm-hmm. learn from it. Yeah. Yeah. Hope that we plant some seeds and not only help you see red flags, but also maybe help you realize, well, this is a a healthy relationship. Good. Mm. You know, to confirm either way. Um, Now now you're going to get all positive on me, Lisa. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we'll go back. Let's go back to the other. Yeah. Um, Come on. Yeah. (laughs) No, we like the positive and it is nice to read this. And Mm -hmm. while my marriage is not perfect, I don't know. Maybe my husband would beg to differ, but mm-hmm. I do feel I don't have these red flags in yeah. my marriage. And mm-hmm. he and I are on the same course of trying to sustain a healthy marriage and mm-hmm. have for over 26 years. Mm-hmm. And even in friendships or relationships with oh, family, true. if I think about our friendship yeah. and I think we have 14 pages of notes here, there's not a single bullet point that we could associate with our friendship. Right. Not a single one. Nope. So that's, you know, that could be a good litmus test for our listeners too. Uh, Do you have all, I can say, you know, my marriage to number two has 99% of all of these Mm. and our relationship, our, my friendship with you has zero. Yep. Yeah. And then, you know, I can think of other relationships, you know, relationships don't have to be all or nothing. And we have relationships with people with some of these things on our list are mm-hmm. definitely there and mm-hmm. they can be worked through and acknowledged and worked around. So we don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater, um, right. so to speak. Yeah. 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 I'm sure we all have friends that exhibit some of these traits mm-hmm. and I don't have to, like you say, throw the baby out with the bathwater. I can still be around those people, but I take them in smaller doses. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And I don't know why this would ever be the case, but maybe some people take us in small doses too. (laughs) No, no, (laughs) not us. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. Can't imagine. I can't, but there might be that small chance. <laughs> Actually, I really can't imagine <laughs> for me anyway. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. I think I'm better in small doses. <laughs> I like me in small doses too. <laughs> just, just. Oh, yeah. Oh, goodness. Okay, so you feel drawn to compromise your own beliefs and values and interests to please him or appease him or even impress him. These can be things of sexual nature or compromising your physical safety. You're changing your appearance, changing how you speak, maybe stopping the use of bad language or starting to use bad language. Maybe you stop worshiping at church or stop seeing certain friends or family members. You stop engaging in hobbies that you've always enjoyed. You stop laughing. All of your cares and interests take a back seat. And I would say pretty soon, all of your cares and interests are his. And you don't even remember what your cares and interests were. You may even drastically change your lifelong goals, things that you've had all your life. For instance, completely changing your school or career path in order to stay in his orbit. You don't feel like you have the same freedom to be yourself with him like you are with everyone else in your life. You feel guilty about things with him that you normally wouldn't feel with anyone else. His career, his interests, his activities and hobbies are way more important than yours. His take priority. You can find time from your work and interests to build in quality time with him, but he uses his own interests as an excuse to not be with you. He then gives you a guilt trip for being so demanding. This is completely devaluing. You value him while he devalues you. You feel shamed by him in ways other people would never treat you. You rack your brain and obsess to try to figure out how to get the relationship back to the way it was in the very beginning when it seemed so wonderful and rosy. You start to do strange things like obsess over him, follow him, check his phone, scroll through his social media almost stalking him to try to figure out what he's doing, who he's with, etc. He's very secretive when he's on his phone or computer, seeming to hide what he's doing and who he's talking to from you, whereas you are an open book to him. You feel crazy, and you've never felt this way before in a relationship. Before making any decisions, even minor ones, you wonder what he would want, and you make decisions based on that based on the fear that if you make the wrong decision, it will cause him to erupt, or fear that he will threaten to leave you. You have the constant feeling that you need to try to fix this somehow, but you can't figure out how to do it. It's become an unsolvable puzzle. We all have past hurts that need to be dealt with. If a relationship that you're in is confusing, that's a red flag. You blame yourself for the deteriorating state of the relationship. Although you can't think of anything specific that you've done to cause it to fall apart. You have an unquenchable need for his validation and feel depressed when he does not validate you any longer like he did in the beginning. You feel you've lost your sense of volition. Your power to think and act for yourself is gone. You feel addicted to him like a drug. He's so nice to everyone but you. You're constantly afraid that he will cheat find an additional person, and discard you. You have this thought often because he's done it before or seems to give off a vibe that he will cheat. Their relationship feels unequal 
you like him more and you're more committed than he is. He plays dumb or acts confused. This tactic is when the manipulator plays dumb or acts oblivious. When confronted with something that he knows full well that you want from him, he will immediately say something like, I don't want to hear it, or I don't even know what you're talking about, or I don't remember that. This is a total classic case of gaslighting. He might ask something like, why do you do that? Or why are you like that? Or how could you have done blah, blah, blah. Asking you a question about your motives puts you in the one down position since it's only natural that a person will try to answer any question that's asked of them. When you try to explain yourself, he'll say, I don't understand. This way, he can continue to make you wrong, crazy, stupid, or someone who just can't be reasoned with. That is so frustrating Mm -hmm. to be in a conversation with somebody like that. Mm -hmm. So next, we're going to move on to our list of strange and selfish things he says and does in general. In the gen pop, if you will. And here we do want to insert that one of the most obvious red flags when discerning if you're dealing with a narcissist is he does not view other people as equals. It is not a level playing field for him. There is a lack of mutual respect towards pretty much everybody else. If he does respect somebody, he views them as somebody he needs to get something from. That's generally the people he'll treat with more respect. And again, this is one of the largest red flags and a huge litmus test. Something very interesting to observe as well as be aware of. Okay, so he expects special treatment. He has an air of entitlement. He knows and acts like he is superior to others. With him, it seems like a bottomless pit that no one can fill. He lives large, doesn't seem at ease just to be. He doesn't seem just satisfied in life with you, with work, with others. He lives sort of dangerously with a devil-may-care attitude in life. He's a huge risk-taker with his physical activities. Not all of them, but this is a trademark of a bunch of them. And you may even feel unsafe when you're with him, like if he's a speeder in a car or wants to go cliff diving every weekend. Who knows? Again, we have this on our list. He's careless with children and animals. Just a huge red flag. He seems to consistently lack empathy where normally someone would show it, like watching sad movies or hearing the news of a child's death or anybody's death or illness or abused animals. He is unable to see the gray areas of people or situations. He sees really only in black and white. He does not see that people are complex and three-dimensional. Everything he has done is the best, the biggest, or the worst. It's just over-the-top exaggeration with him. Exaggeration of his achievements is the norm for him. You notice this both when he tells you things and also tells other people things, and you know what he is saying is not the solid truth or is just actually a flat-out lie. He openly brags or boasts about how much money he makes, how much money he spent, how successful he is to anyone and everyone, even people he first meets. Even if he is successful, it's really very awkward for everyone who hears this. I would just say that what you just described, Tony, is what's known as the grandiose narcissist. And maybe we'll talk in a future episode about the different types of narcissism. But this over-the-top, open bragging Mm -hmm. is the grandiose narcissist. I absolutely agree with you. It's just a must that we do the different types of narcissists because Mm -hmm. an overt narcissist is very different than a covert narcissist. A grandiose narcissist 
is completely different than number two. Mm -hmm. And a grandiose narcissist would be, you know, like a a porcupine or a skunk that everybody can see it and smell it. (laughs) And so you know what you're dealing with and you know to stay away. Yes. Right. But uh, the covert narcissist is not like that at all. (laughs) Much more dialed down. Harder to spot. Harder to spot. It's it's the feral cat that if you get it's cute, but you get close enough, it's going to bite. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a great analogy. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Again, we're throwing out our list that some of these will be features that maybe you recognize and some of them will not be. Mm -hmm. And it's being taken as a whole that you want to pay attention. Mm -hmm. He may not be a boastful person. Mm -hmm. However, he's 90% of these. Mm -hmm. Again, here's your red flags. Yes. Plural. Yes. Very important. One flag, maybe not. Yeah. One flag does not a narcissist make, but a pattern of behavior, several red flags, a bunch of red flags. So number two, for example, not a grandiose narcissist at all in terms of personal possessions or money, Mm -hmm. but he was grandiose in what he knew, what he knows, right? And Mm -hmm. lords that quote unquote knowledge or interpretation of things over people. So I can't really say, oh, he openly brags about the money he makes. He doesn't do that, but he does all of the other things. So Mm. it's a duck. Right. It it, it walks and quacks like a duck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One that I dated in my twenties, he had a certain way of answering the phone to let you know that he was so wonderful. And every time he answered the phone, he said this phrase about how great he is. And it was very strange. I never thought that was a good thing to do, (laughs) but it was probably one of the first red flags I saw in him Mm -hmm. and had to talk myself out of that is freaking weird Mm -hmm. to say that when you answer the phone every single time. I did gaslight myself out of that. Yeah. And it goes back to that, that phrase that we love that people show you who they are. Mm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Leave them the first time. Yes. It yep. makes life so much easier. Goodness. And then if we're wrong, great. <laughs> yeah. That'd be fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't hurt to be a little guarded, mm-hmm. especially at first with any new relationship that you mm-hmm. start with. I think that's an important pre-wired feature of ourselves mm-hmm. that we're allowed to make use of. Mm-hmm. What are some other general type behaviors that we could see in narcissists? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Let's get back to it. He seems to lie a great deal. He seems to lie very easily. He seems to lie pathologically, lies about some of the smallest things. He has very strong opinions on subjects he knows little to nothing about, or he acts like an expert on subjects he knows little to nothing about. He doesn't play by the same rules everybody else must play by. He changes the rules mid-course. It becomes a guessing game as to what the rules are with him. I know we've already said that, but again, you can see that even out in public. Oh, that's such a huge hallmark too. Truly. Just the hypocrisy. Yes. He says that he hates drama, and yet there's more drama surrounding him than anyone you've ever known, or at least drama in your relationship with him which is bigger than any drama you've had in past relationships. And the drama feels uncomfortable to you. If you're trying to have a healthy relationship, definitely drama is not a feature of that. 
he says this one or more times. I'm a really good person. Really, truly, really good people do not need to state this. Mm-hmm. When bad or negative things happen to him, it is never his fault. He consistently points the finger at someone or something else as being the cause of his problem. He may even blame Satan or the fact that God is testing him. He may see things like, I don't know why bad things keep happening to me. I guess it's because I'm such a good person. He says he doesn't want a wife and family, especially when you've said that you do. Or he might say he doesn't want kids. I'm not sure if I'll ever get married. This is a complete put down to so many women who hear this. Why would you say that to a woman who, like so many other women, might want to have a healthy relationship with her husband and build a family? This completely disarms the woman and causes her to think, well, I guess I could compromise that because I want a relationship with him so badly and want to be part of his world. So marriage and family are commitments. And if he says he doesn't want these, you should pause and really reflect on this red flag. Is he telling you that he doesn't want to be committed? And do you really want to settle for that? I just really wanted to point out that marriage is one thing, family is another thing, but those fit under the umbrella of commitment. And so is he saying that he's not going to be monogamous? Mm -hmm. Because that's another form of commitment. Is he saying he's not going to be trustworthy? Because when we share things with people, we hope they're committed to privacy. So saying they don't want to be married or have kids is just showing that they have zero interest in any form of commitment. Or the intimacy. Mm-hmm. or the, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or Definitely. the accountability. And women are nurturing and, and pre-wired to have children, take care of those children. And there are men who are not that way. Those are the men that exploit these women and dangle a carrot saying, eventually I will, mm-hmm. but not yet. Mm-hmm. And so she begs to let her go or begins to see the red flags. And then he hoovers her back and love bombs her back. Mm-hmm. Okay. I promise I'm going to be that way. I promise I'm going to change. And they completely take advantage and exploit women who are ready for this important step in their life to make the commitment, get married, have children. Men who use that against them are just <laughs> despicable mm-hmm. and toxic and narcissistic. Mm-hmm. And it just really points to the relationship is always on his terms. Oh, yes. Always on his terms. Mm -hmm. So some other things to keep in mind or to consider. He says all he wants out of life is success and social status, that relationships are not a priority. He appears to be an authority on all subjects, but he's really not. Or maybe he is, but regardless, He monopolizes conversations by name dropping or extolling how much he knows, the important people he knows, what he has accomplished, and so on. You can start to really see the insecurity in these types of narcissists when they speak and act this way. He's not really nice. He's moody for no reason. He's disrespectful. He gets mad when you ask him what's wrong. He's not nice to wait staff or any type of people who serve, nurses, Uber drivers, behind other people's backs. He puts them down. He's highly critical of them, maybe even makes fun of them. 
but to their faces, he acts as if he likes them. Mm-hmm. He triangulates with others, which kid is a better student, like especially using his children against each other or using siblings or family members or even friends, pitting them against each other. He's very defensive and very sensitive to criticism. Yep. So continuing with that list of his behavior around and about others, he is a show-off, a bragger, very boastful. He doesn't have a lot of friends or doesn't, we've touched on this before. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have a lot of friends or doesn't seem to be able to keep friends for any meaningful amount of time. His friendships that he does have are very surface level. Mm -hmm. A male who only has female friends or female with only male friends. Ooh, you added that. I would like to hear a little bit about that. That's great. I didn't think of that one. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that, Lisa. My initial thought is that males often determine and females do this too. determine in a group of men, you know, who's, who's the alpha male. And there's a kind of an underlying sense of competition maybe among men. And And a pecking order, a pecking order. Yes. And so the men who have only female friends, they're protecting themselves from that competition. And they're also placing themselves in a constant position to be admired. Whereas other males, they know deep down don't or won't admire them. And so they're going to surround themselves with women who they can flatter, flirt with, who can give them that admiration that they so long for. And then a female on the flip side will do the same thing. And females are, I think we're, you know, conditioned maybe to all humans are conditioned to kind of size each other up and kind of figure out where do I fit in this pecking order and who's going to be the queen bee and who are going to be the worker bees. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like the bachelor shows. Mm -hmm. The women that are the, the villains in it mm-hmm. are the ones that can't get along with the other women. Mm-hmm. And same with, you know, when it's the men that are the bachelors for the bachelorette, the one that is villainized is the one that can't get along with the other dudes. Mm-hmm. And that's really very telling about a person's personality. If you can't get along with other people of your gender, mm-hmm. that's really saying something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is it saying? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, just like the male who surrounds himself with females, I used to work with a gal who boasted that, well, I don't know about boasted is the right word, but she said on numerous occasions, yeah, I don't really have any girlfriends. Most of my friends are guys. And I think she really got off to the attention that she would get from them because mm-hmm. she's attractive. So she got attention. Yet I always wondered, how does that work in, in your marriage? If all of your friends are men, how does your husband feel about that? I always wondered, but yeah, I think in either case, a male surrounding himself with only females or the opposite, they're really getting something out of that. And it's actually the least threatening environment because a woman in a group of other women can be kind of threatening. And do you want to be vulnerable? Am I going to be judged because of my weight or my clothes or my kids Mm -hmm. are misbehaving? And what are these other moms going to think of me? 
And then men judge each other too, based on their success and their financial status and Mm -hmm. the things that they own. And so in order to prevent themselves from being judged, maybe Mm -hmm. they surround themselves with people who will just build them up. Wow. That's very interesting. Again, my 20 something narcissistic relationship, he needed admiration. He needed constant admiration from anybody in his life. But what was intriguing about this, looking back on it, is the number of female friends he had to have. So I was fine with the male friends. He was in sports and other activities that involved males. Great. But the things that he would do with the female friends and then how he would spin his wheels and explain that this is my life. This is what I'm going to do. I had to understand that he's going to have a lot of girls flocking around him if I wanted to stay in a relationship with him. Mm -hmm. And I had never before and never since gaslit my own self so much as when I was in that relationship. You had to share him. Yes. That I have to share him. Mm -hmm. I have to accept this. And anybody that I told would say, that is weird, Tony. Mm-hmm. This is not a boyfriend. No, this is a, a really good red flag that you can see before you get into a relationship with someone. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, there's someone that you like and you are friends on social media, you can see who, oh, yeah. who are their other friends. That's the one good thing about social media these days is that you can see a lot about somebody and you can Google people mm-hmm. back in the nineties when you and I were trying to find marital spouses, we didn't have this. Mm -hmm. We didn't have the opportunity to kind of take a snapshot at least of what a person's friendship makeup was Mm -hmm. in his world. And I would like to think that would have really saved me a lot of time. But again, you can know all this stuff and still choose to ignore it Mm -hmm. because the attraction chemicals, (laughs) your, your attraction, your list of must-haves may be superficial, et cetera. You, you know, for whatever reason you look the other way, but Mm -hmm. social media can be a huge resourceful tool. Yeah, it can. And on that same line, if someone is interested in another person and maybe they become friends on social media, but well, I'll just put it in first person terms. So this is not true, but just an example. If I started talking to a man and we became friends on social media and I go to his profile and he's blocked me from being able to see his friends, that would be a red flag. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So paying attention to that behavior of you don't want to give someone an all access pass to your life. But if someone is concealing things from you that would probably be visible to a lot of other people, that's a red flag. Right. I agree. All right. So on with this, Mm -hmm. his behavior around and about others, he doesn't hesitate to throw anyone under the bus. He devalues others to prop himself up. He seems to burn through friendships and he states that his former friends and ex-girlfriends are all crazy or bad, et cetera. It was their fault that the relationships ended. He did nothing wrong. He possibly doesn't have a healthy relationship or any relationship with his family. He possibly comes from a dysfunctional family. While many people have been raised in dysfunctional families and they have prevailed, this is still a red flag to pay attention to. He may have had overly indulgent parents. He didn't suffer consequences and he didn't learn that other people have rights. 
He learned to point the finger and never accept blame. Maybe he had a parent that was the helicopter parent and, oh, it's not your fault. It's the teacher's fault. And little Johnny on the playground shouldn't have X, Y, Z with you. He ceases to be interested in your interests when he had been at the beginning of the relationship, at the love bombing stage. Your friends and family don't seem warm to him. They don't seem to like him. Your friends and family warn you that they don't think he's good for you, that maybe he's a danger to you. This really can be one of the best red flags. If you're finding that you're having to hide your relationship, or if you find that you're having to defend your relationship to your family members and gloss over terrible things that he's doing to you, that should be a huge red flag for you. When these people, especially if you have a good family, if your people are telling you, this is not a good guy, he's doing these things to you, to not pay attention to that is to your own detriment. Or if you're making excuses for their behavior Mm. to other people of maybe why he's not at a certain event or, you know, you share something about your relationship and someone, you know, waves the red flag in your face and then Mm -hmm. you immediately start backpedaling to defend him, kind of pay attention to that. If you're constantly defending him or making excuses, oh, he's sick or he had a neglectful mother or what have you, Mm -hmm. you know. We have a responsibility in this world to accept the things that have happened to us. And then we get to choose what we're going to do with that. Mm -hmm. And so any grown-up person who is still behaving in these ways doesn't have a right to be in your life. (laughs) You know, you don't deserve this. And I've never liked it when people use that phrase with me that, oh, I deserve better. I'm not really sure that's the right word, but goodness. Everybody has a responsibility for their own lives and people who behave in the way that we're describing in these episodes are exploitive and they use up our love and then just discard it. That's not okay. Right. And we do deserve to be treated Mm -hmm. in a healthy manner and they stomp all over our rights and our needs and our wants and our desires. Mm -hmm. Red flags. Red flags. Okay, keeping with that theme, he doesn't like your friends and or your family and lets you know verbally or non-verbally. He does not act friendly when he's around your friends and family. He acts disinterested in them and bored and like he would rather be anywhere else but in their presence. He consistently refuses to go to functions, activities, and outings with you when your good friends and family will be present. You find yourself excusing and defending his aberrant behavior and statements to yourself and to others especially when this behavior would be inexcusable in anybody else on the planet. He is not interested in being around your friends and family to the point where you must choose to stay with him instead. So now we're going to move on to red flags for yourself about yourself. Your dream guy list is too superficial. Don't hang your hat on one or two checklist items like we are of the same faith or we both have a specific hobby like scuba diving or he's so tall. He's six foot five. Uh, Maybe he is tall, dark and handsome. But how is that all working out for you? He needs to check some, if not all of the more important boxes, the non-negotiables. You need to start your list by determining what your values are and those need to become your non-negotiables. 
a lot of us, when we start out, don't have a substantial list. Our list is too superficial. It's really important to determine your values. And we are in the process of booking a guest for next season who will actually help us do an exercise on values. So stay tuned for that. That's going to be super fun. Yes, definitely. A lot of people haven't done that. I didn't really do that Mm -hmm. until I was in coaching school. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that you did necessarily either until I coached you. Yeah, I hadn't done it either. And it was so enlightening and very freeing. And I think it helped build my inner strength and Mm -hmm. sense of acceptance for, yeah, this is who I, who I am and what I value. And, and I like this (laughs) part of me. Really demonstrates to you what your foundation is as a thinking, feeling person. And until you've done that work, and it's really easy. I mean, you can do it in 30 minutes and Mm -hmm. determine your values. It's just really important work to do. And until you do that work, I don't know how you know from where you function. And it definitely can leave you vulnerable to toxic people coming and invading your space, whether it be romantically at work elsewhere. Once you build that foundation for yourself, you say, okay, no, you know, family is my number one value. And being with this person is definitely corroding that value for me. And that's my boundary. It definitely helps you see your boundaries, strengthens your boundaries once you are aware of your values. That's going to be such a a pivotal episode for an exercise for any of our listeners who might be struggling a little bit Mm. in relationships and have a curiosity as to what their values are and want to build their boundaries. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we do look forward to having that maybe hopefully in January. So back to red flags for yourself about yourself. Yes. That first time you see a crack in their mask and you begin to think to yourself, wait, this isn't who I thought he was, but you end up staying in the relationship because you have faith in your ability to get back to where you started, or you've been talking about him and building him up to others in your life. You have hope. You've already posted about him on social media. So that's where our pride gets involved. A huge red flag is you begin to notice that you are feeling horrible most of the time. You're constantly thinking about him and the relationship and what you can do to make it better. So the pain and confusion goes away. You start saying things like, he's constantly hurting my feelings, but I have such strong feelings for him or I love him. I remember, you know, saying that to you and saying that to my counselor several times that I still love him. That was really sad. So Lisa, what does that say about you that you are with such an abusive person? You do all these good, committed, loving things and he treats you so badly. What do you envision is going to happen if you keep doing this stuff? When we're trapped in a relationship like this, I think we convince ourselves that there is some magic thing that we could do or say to bring the relationship back into some sort of equilibrium. But as we know, that can never really happen. But we keep trying. We keep hoping and trying different things. It's a vicious cycle that we put ourselves in. And we really don't have that power. I think I said this earlier that we didn't cause this person to behave this way. So we can't fix this. You know, Mm -hmm. we didn't cause this problem in the relationship. So we can't fix it. 
Right. Mm-hmm. That love is, oh, that love thing is, is one of the biggest hindrances to all these red flags. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. toughy. Mm-hmm. The emotions of it, you know, mm. the love addiction, the love addiction. Mm. Yeah. To some degree, just the habit of it. Maybe you have future plans, maybe you have weddings or vacations yeah. planned and you convince yourself, well, I can't back out now or, you know, we've already paid the deposit or I can't show up to a wedding alone. That's so embarrassing, right. you know? And so we end up deferring, deferring, deferring. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. True. Mm-hmm. So true. Mm-hmm. So you discover pretty soon that you're not yourself in this relationship and you don't even recognize yourself. I know in my case, I wasn't aware of that so much until I was out. And then I started rediscovering all the things that I enjoyed in life that I had put on hold for so long. But if you're beginning to recognize that, that's wonderful. That That's a great, great sign. Especially if you discover that all of the other relationships in your life don't look like this and right. aren't this hard, you know? Right. That's pretty big. If you don't have a strong sense of self when your relationship started, and I know I surely did not have a strong sense of self, you'll start to busy yourself into making things just right to avoid that narcissistic rage. And you'll constantly begin defending yourself against their accusations, which are only projections of their own past unhealed experiences. So what is a good way to develop your stronger sense of self? It begins with knowing your, your values mm-hmm. and knowing your values can help you know your purpose in life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and what your goals are. We need to have a very clear picture of ourselves and what we believe in, what we stand for and what we will and won't tolerate. Wow. Yeah. I just booked a guest that we're going to have on in a few weeks in this um, first season. And she is going to help us figure out where in our body that we feel are attracted by things or are repelled by things Mm. and people and situations and Mm -hmm. objects. And I think that is going to really help with this, as you mentioned, building a stronger sense of yourself in addition to identifying our values. I think it's really important to feel it in your gut, in your heart, and in your mind. That is going to be a really good episode that addresses what you just talked about. I agree. I can't wait to talk to her. Yep. And then kind of the last thing I would say is that part of healing and working on ourselves is learning to have grace for ourselves Mm -hmm. and for others. But that doesn't mean that you have to play therapist or magician for an abusive partner. If he wants to change or heal or grow, he will have already started that process prior to meeting you. We're all on a growth journey and it's not our responsibility to get that ball rolling for them. And a person's response is not our responsibility. As we start to grow and work on ourselves, and then we, as a natural instinct, want to share that with our partner or friend or spouse, and they're in an unhealthy place, they may start to push against that and make you question your own growth and your own learning. But a person's response is not our responsibility. What is our responsibility is to take the knowledge that we have and make ourselves better for it. Mm -hmm. That's excellent. 
So that is our very comprehensive red flag list that we have been compiling for years, and we truly enjoyed sharing it with our wonderful audience. We hope it will be helpful to you or to someone you know who could benefit from it. If any of you out there know of red flags that we missed, we would really love to hear from you. You can email us using our email form on our website, heresyourredflag.com, or you can also message us through our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter accounts. We hope you will join us next week as Lisa and I take a deeper dive into some of the more concerning red flags, especially in intimate partner relationships. And we will be discussing what some prominent experts have to say regarding toxic people and their red flag behavior. So today we thank you all for joining us on Here's Here's Your Your Red Red Flag. Flag. Thanks, y'all. Thanks, y'all. Here's Your Red Flag was written, directed, and recorded by Tony and Lisa and edited by Tony. Our theme song is Butterfly Woke by Jairus. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave us a five-star review. Thanks, y'all.